0: The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Philip Stevens. This week, we're looking at the big US-North Korean summit in Singapore. President Donald Trump ran out of superlatives in discussing what he called his great triumph at the summit. It was an epochal event, he said. No other president could have achieved so much. His allies compared him to Ronald Reagan, who'd led Mikhail Gorbachev into détente during the 1980s. Critics took a rather more sober view. What was there in the joint communique that offered anything in terms of the complete, verifiable and irreversible denuclearization that the US side had demanded at the beginning? Not very much. Wasn't Donald Trump giving away something by saying he would end joint US-South Korean military exercises? So what was it? Was it a triumph, a genuine breakthrough for world peace? Or was it a win for President Kim? Joining me on the line from Singapore is Brian Harris, the FT's Seoul correspondent, and on the line from Hong Kong, Jamil Andalini, the FT's Asia editor. Brian, how does South Korea see this now? South Korea President Moon was a moving force in getting the two sides together. Will South Korea feel a safer place today? Or will people be thinking, look, have we sold the game too early?
2: For South Korea, the fact that a summit even took place was significant. Just a year ago, the Korean Peninsula teased around the edge of conflict, and it would have been Seoul and South Korea that bore the brunt of any war. So President Moon Jae-in has been an ardent supporter of diplomacy, gently nurturing this relationship between Pyongyang and Washington. And when President Trump met Kim Jong-un for the first time, and the scenes were broadcast back to South Korea to Mr Moon, you could really see the look of deep contentment on his face he clearly achieved a key goal that was a long time in the making. However, things took a turn later in the day when Mr. Trump announced he was halting the joint US-South Korean war games, um, as he calls them. The reaction in South Korea was shock. They were clearly blindsided by this decision. Those drills have been an integral part of South Korean security for years and they were a vital negotiating tool with North Korea. And now they seem to be gone. And the question is, for what?
1: How far is President Moon's view of the settlement shared within South Korean society? Are most people simply happy that the imminent threat of war has gone into the background? Or do people think this may be a Gorbachev moment that President Kim in the North has decided to bring his country into the community of nations?
2: The fact is, nobody is sure about Kim's true intentions. He's saying the right things and appears to be switching focus domestically to economic reform. But the next few weeks will be crucial to know whether this is a new day for North Korea or simply business as usual. And we should be looking out for political changes in Pyongyang, a Politburo meeting, or even development in the state's propaganda to show that, yes, indeed, they are building a new relationship with the U.S. Moon himself, back in South Korea, has a very strong approval rating, and his voter base clearly supports what he is doing. South Korea has just held local elections and Mr Moon's Democratic Party, the Minju Party, won easily. This will be seen as a clear endorsement and a mandate for Mr Moon to continue his outreach and his diplomacy with North Korea.
1: Do they fear that Mr Trump is disengaging, as it were, sort of withdrawing the American nuclear umbrella from that part of the world?
2: There is great uncertainty about everything Trump does some in south korea respect that he's thrown himself into solving the north korean situation but yes others particularly on the south korean conservative side fear that the u.s could pack up and leave the nation leaving it at the whims of north korea with its nuclear weapons or even potentially later down the road china which has long been the hegemonic power in the region and going back hundreds and even thousands of years so there will be a lot of hand-wringing in the coming days. And you can be sure that South Korean diplomats will be working overtime to, again, figure out what Trump wants and what he actually means.
1: Okay, I'm going to turn now to Jamil Andalini. Jamil, you wrote a fairly sceptical analysis of the summit, suggesting that Trump had got not very much for giving away quite a lot in terms of a place on the world stage for President Kim and almost legitimization of North Korea's nuclear power. But where does China fit in? Clearly, the most important regional player outside Korea. Would China be content with the outcome of this summit?
3: Oh, absolutely. I'm actually based in Hong Kong, but I did spend many, many years in Beijing. I've been calling around people today, both in China and Western diplomats in the region, and the unanimous opinion of everyone I've spoken to is this will be just beyond the wildest dreams of Xi Jinping and the Communist Party in Beijing because if you look at the substance of what Donald Trump effectively announced, it was what the Chinese have been recommending for a couple of years now, which is for the Americans to stop their military exercises in exchange for a freeze, Of North Korean missile and nuclear testing. So, effectively, what Trump seems to have come around to is what the Chinese have been suggesting all along. But far more important from Beijing's perspective was Donald Trump's frankly astonishing assertion that he didn't think that America should have any troops on the Korean peninsula and that he intended to, at some point in the future, remove them entirely. Now, that is a stated long-term goal of the Chinese government, which believes it is encircled by U.S. troops. And that will have been just absolute music to the ears of the autocrats in Beijing.
1: So Beijing does see this as perhaps the beginning of a process where the United States withdraws from that part of the world and leaves China as the hegemonic or preponderant power in the region. Is China the absent winner from this summit?
3: I think that's exactly how it will be perceived in Beijing. I think Chinese President Xi Jinping will be incredibly pleased about the outcome of this summit. First of all, North Korea didn't really commit to anything new apart from the repatriation of the remains of some U.S. soldiers, which has happened in the past as well. So rather symbolic, rather than anything that North Korea really values in giving away to America. But most importantly, Donald Trump said that he was going to sign on to something that the Chinese have been suggesting for a couple of years already. The Chinese plan for several years now has been freeze for freeze a freezing of North Korean missile testing and nuclear tests in exchange for a freeze of U.S. and South Korean joint military exercises, which is what Donald Trump announced yesterday. So the Chinese can and have said explicitly that they were the crucial element in the whole arrangement and that their plan that they would originally suggested is the one now being followed by North Korea and the United States.
1: And we also got a hint from Donald Trump of a bigger U.S. withdrawal. He mentioned the expense of keeping, what is it, nearly 30,000 American troops in South Korea and talked about at some stage withdrawing them. Presumably that's something that China and President Xi will be cheering very loudly.
3: Yeah, that is exactly uh, what Beijing, their long term strategic goal is the removal of all U.S. troops on the Korean peninsula and eventually the removal of U.S. troops also from Japan. So this would have been absolute music to the ears of the Chinese leadership. They would have been incredibly pleased to hear that Donald Trump has no interest in keeping those troops long-term on the Korean Peninsula. China feels encircled by the American presence in Asia, and it's made it very clear that its long-term goal is for America to recede and for China to take its rightful place at the apex of the East Asian and Asian political structure.
1: And Presumably, this is why we've heard some warning notes from Tokyo, people in Japan feeling a little unnerved by, first, the suggestion of the end to the military exercises, and secondly, the idea that at some point American troops may be withdrawn, because Japan's security rests entirely almost on its security treaty with the US.
3: As does South Korea. So I think Brian's point earlier about how South Korea was caught off guard by Donald Trump's announcement of ending the joint exercises. I think that is felt even more strongly in Tokyo. It appears that Donald Trump had not consulted the South Koreans, let alone the Japanese, when he offered to end these military exercises. That will be very worrisome in South Korea, and it'll be even more concerning in Tokyo. So is
1: there a sense, and I've certainly heard it from some on the more nationalist side in Japan and indeed in Seoul when I was there a couple of months ago, that we may be moving to a world in which it's sort of everyone for themselves in that part of the region if America over time withdraws. And then you get some people raising the possibility, well, should others Seek nuclear weapons? Should Japan, should South Korea, should Taiwan even seek the safety of a nuclear shield? Because what Kim has done is he's changed the balance by getting a nuclear weapon.
3: Exactly. And what Trump has done is legitimize that nuclear weapon. Basically, what happened is less than a year ago, North Korea tested its first intercontinental ballistic missile. Within one year, it's got a meeting with the world's top superpower. It's shown the path for every rogue nation in the world: the way to get the attention and the, you know, adulation in this case of the American president is to develop the most fearsome weapons and the delivery mechanism with which you can hit the continental United States. So, what Trump has done is he's basically said, "We do negotiate with terrorists." And that's a terrible lesson, I think, for most countries around the world. Now, it's very well known in this region that Japan could almost overnight become a nuclear power. It would take a very short amount of time for it to restart its nuclear weapons program. Same with Taiwan, same with South Korea. So all three of those countries could very quickly develop nuclear weapons. Now, the next question is what happens if Singapore decides it needs one, Jakarta, you know, Indonesia, if the American nuclear umbrella was removed from the region, you could quite quickly see a nuclear arms race developing throughout this region. And that would be terrible and destabilizing and a sobering prospect. Now, there are some who argue that in fact, it could lead to greater stability in the region because the balance of terror of mutually assured destruction may freeze the current power structure where you know China is a rising power but it's not yet the predominant power so some people most notably people in Singapore some public intellectuals in the region have said that actually it could be good for stopping the possible future expansion of China if it decides to become a more expansionist power having many of its neighbours armed with nuclear weapons could stop that from happening. But I think that's a scary, scary prospect for yes. the region and the entire world.
1: Yes, indeed, a sober thought, a summit that was supposed to be about denuclearisation ending up leading to proliferation possibly across the region. Well, that's it for this week. I'd like to thank Brian Harris for joining us and Jamil Andalini. Until next week, goodbye
0: hello we're rethinking our podcast strategy here at the financial times and we'd love to hear your views we're asking listeners to rate our podcast and to tell us what you like and don't like about our shows to contribute to our survey follow the link in our show notes or go to ft.com forward slash podcast feedback to enter our prize draw to win 500 pounds or the equivalent in dollars